the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What'd you say, peach fingernails? Huh? I said, what'd you say, peach fingernails? I'm ready to get rid of these things. <laughs> Alright. It's oh. a beach mistake. Huh? That's a beach mistake, right? Well... Get ready to go to the beach. Yeah. Want to do something different? You get your just, fingernails painted. I just didn't think ahead to when I got back and I'd have to be tying knots for training and wearing gloves, and it didn't uh, work out too good for me, so... No. I cut them down. They were worse before. Okay. Worse before. Yeah. That's not a good thing. Okay. Uh, Well, uh, good Saturday afternoon to you. Thanks for tuning in. It's going to be, you just got the two of us today, folks. Sorry. Yep. And my voice may or may not last. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yes, you might have to finish it all out solo. Ooh, wouldn't that be something? I really want to sit here and listen to me talk for the... Yeah, I don't even. That's the thing. We we've each got our own stuff. I don't even know what you don't know what I've got. And I don't know what you've got. That's true. Could be a real interesting show. <laughs> For real. <interesting laughs> For real, show. and not just because of the information, but just because <laughs> what you know might come out. Uh, <laughs> one thing you're sure of is at some point here, Sophie will start snoring. She's halfway there. Her yeah. eyes are closed. Oh gosh, she's loud at night. <laughs> um, but yeah, hope you're having a great weekend. It is the. Is this, I keep forgetting, and I just don't keep up with stuff. This is Memorial Day weekend. That's what I thought. I thought it was Memorial Day weekend. How did I know that was what you were I don't know. That's weird. (laughs) But, yeah, it is Memorial Day weekend. (laughs) Um, So there's lots of people outside today. Hope you're having a good time. Well, you better be outside. Yeah. And there's something starting next week, and I just, off the the top, because I forgot to really make plans, I... I just texted her. I said, hey, you got a minute? And uh, she was good enough to top on. B.B. Dalton Harris from South Carolina Wildlife Federation, they got something called the Flishing Challenge going on. And uh, here's what she had to say about that. So, Taylor, I, I forgot to put something on the calendar in time enough, so we're really going to just drop this into the show. But I, I did get a hold of B.B., because this is B.B.'s baby, another one of B.B.'s babies. She's got lots of stuff like this out there. Uh but for the calendar this week, or actually starting June 1st, we've got something called the South Carolina Wildlife Federation Plishing Challenge. Bibi, uh, tell us what it's all about. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, the Plishing, the South Carolina Wildlife Federation Plishing Challenge is a new kind of initiative to get folks out there fishing and uh, cleaning up their environment. So actually, uh, the Swedish phrase plaka up is okay. litter pickup so okay. that's where the pl came from all right and so pl plus fishing, fishing. is clishing all right so so yeah so once you if you decide you want to do it you can register you could go ahead and download the fish donkey app and did i, did I just hear you say fish donkey app 
fish donkey. <laughs> yes. And a lot of folks are using that in tournaments, kind okay. of tournaments and things like that right now. So um, there's a little video that if, if you need help getting started on that. Okay. But it's pretty self-explanatory. But you download that. You look for our SCWS Fishing Challenge. It has our South Carolina Wildlife Federation logo on the side. All right. That's how you'll find it. And then on June 1st, you, we will launch this baby. Okay. <laughs> so folks so can catch fish. They can log their fish with a photo. Right. They can log a release. And for each fish they catch, they get a point. For each okay. release that they show us, they get a point. And for each bag of litter they collect, they get a point. And you don't have to release your fish if you are going to harvest it and eat it Grease or whatever. It. Yeah. Grease it. That's right. <laughs> Introduce it to the fryer. Fryer. Um, or broiler or whatever. But um, but you do get an extra point if you do re- do a healthy release. Okay. Um, okay. And so in addition, um, you don't have to weigh your fish. You don't have to measure your fish. Just um, so a fish. Just, just a fish. It's just a challenge. Just a fish. Yeah. Because we're we're gonna clean up our waterways, we're gonna have fun while we're doing it, while we're out there fishing. You know, so yeah. And Taylor, it's not much to clean up. You know, the other day we're out on the water and plastic bottle floating out there, and all you had to do was slam on the brakes on the boat, mm-hmm. scoop it up, <laughs> put it in the trash can. It's, it's that easy. I didn't know we had brakes on the boat, but okay. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to look into that kind of boat. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you you chop the throttle, it's like braking. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> But we will be, we know a lot of people do that, like you said. Right. A lot of folks are already picking up litter while they're out on the waterways. Right. So might as well maybe get rewarded for it. So we'll have monthly winners, points leaders in fish, points leaders in litter, and then we'll have a random, um, randomly selected win- okay. uh, winner as well. Yeah. Cool. Who's who's behind this with you? Who, who's so helping you put it on? We have a lot of um, helpers with this. So the the Palmetto Sports or uh, Palmetto State Armory okay. has been a huge sponsor. They're actually sponsoring the first 250 people who sign up on the app. So okay. it, it will be free for the first 250 people to register, okay. and it does launch on June 1st. But if you miss it or you see your friends doing it later on in June or July and you want to jump on, this runs June 1st through August 31st. Okay. So you can join it any time over the summer. Um, but Palmetto State Armory is a big sponsor. We also have Palmetto Pride. Um, we have we've got some equipment, some gear donated by AFCO. Okay. We've got the South Carolina Aquarium. We've got Shimano um, bags. So we've got we're gonna have litter bags kind of spread around the state, and actually um, they will be at all the um, Palmetto State Armories. But we'll okay. also be placing them around the state as I travel this summer. So um, oh. if you want to follow along with me, I'll be all over the place. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, I'll be posting that. And every day there will be a different um, either fishing tip or place to go fish, uh, like an idea of thinking outside the box to go fishing okay. or litter information um, every day on our SCWF Fishing Challenge Facebook page. So you can follow along there, figure out where I'm going to be if you need to get a bag. Um, but we will be doing the launch at Palmetto State Armory in Charleston on June the first. And that's a brand. Is that the brand new location of Palmetto State Armory? That is a brand, new, brand location. new location. I think. I, I are they having their grand opening this weekend? I think they are. I think it's this weekend. Yeah. 
So so I'll be there soon, next week. There you go. I'm going to check out all the new things they've got over there. There you go. It's a good place to go uh, for both either fishing or hunting stuff. Yeah. So. And, you know, this is really a good way for folks that have really started recently, um, may have picked up uh, fishing over the past couple of years right. for some odd reason. Yeah. Or, um, or for families that have been fishing for years, like I said, then already are picking up litter and, and – practicing catch and release and things like that so um it's a good conservation message for for our friends and we we just appreciate it and we want to give back a little bit so at the end of the summer we'll be giving away three five hundred dollar gift cards to palmetto state armory cool taylor yeah. shimano afco chop chop get on it mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. after we've got we've got three one hundred dollars so uh, one of the month's prizes will be $100 gift cards to AFCO. So definitely want people to sign up and, and see what they can do this summer. And, again, no weighing, no measuring. Just, just a picture. Just log your fish. Yep. Show, us, show us your fish. Show us your litter. Dispose of it properly. There you and, go. Uh, and you're good to go. Very cool. Bibi, thanks for taking a few minutes on such short notice. <laughs> and, no uh, worries. And safe travels this summer. You're a busy lady, and we will catch up you with too. you later on. Thanks. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you all for having me. All right. See you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. There you go. The Palmetto Plishing Challenge. That would be on our calendar events brought to you by Capital City. Lake Murray Country. Very good. It's you all, are awake over oh, there. I am awake. <laughs> it's our only calendar events for the day. For today. Yeah. After the botch we did last week, <laughs> we're revamping our calendar process to make it more uh, listener-friendly. <laughs> well, um, that's uh, pretty much the first segment. There's uh, We just got a, a hodgepodge of stuff. This is what happens when you go with so many guests for so long. It just stuff builds up, and you got to get through it. So um, we will uh, we'll have a lot more in the next few segments. So y'all hang on. Be back after the break. More Woods and Water, South Carolina. Over there, rocking your head. Be careful. I like this song. I will say it. I do like this song. This is an old song. Cherry mm-hmm. Rafferty. Yeah. It's like circa 1970 something. <laughs> wow. No, don't. I'm not even going don't. there. <laughs> it's a good song though. Mm-hmm. On my lake playlist. Is it? You know I need your Her lake playlist will surprise me sometimes. That's a good song. I do. He also I have, does. I have a lot of your songs on my playlist. Jerry Rafferty doesn't he do Baker Street too? That's one that's got the the. Oh yeah, that's got the sax that comes out of nowhere. Often, if I had if I hadn't picked up the trumpet, I often think I would have loved to have played sax, like a high alto sax or something. Because it can really, it can really go. Um, just uh, like I said, this is going to go back and forth. We're just. We just got a, lot, a bunch we have of a stuff, lot to yeah. Cover, and it's a lot of random stuff. Too. Yeah, it's a lot of random stuff. Some of it's news. Uh, yeah, it is Jerry Rafferty, Baker Street. I know you're gonna look that up. I know. Oh, I just had come to. on. Yeah. It's an ad. Oh no, it's an ad. And you can't skip it. I can't skip it. I can. I can turn it down though. Okay, and then we can listen to because it is that 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 oh that sax at the beginning of of Baker Street just incredible. Lord have mercy. Uh. But anyway, we do have uh, 
do have Governor McMaster sign what's called the Purple Paint Law, uh, bill into law. And, um, you know, when you, a lot of times when you're cruising timber or you're on somebody's, uh, um, on your land or something, you'll see blue paint on trees. Mm-hmm. That's usually a, a cut line. It's either a property line or a cut line. Like they want to stay away from creeks and stuff like that. They'll paint rings on trees. I know we had ours, our, some of our hardwoods cut. He painted blue on the stump to keep the logger from cutting trees. He didn't want them to cut. So it's, it's used, but the purple paint law, up until now, you've had to post trespassing signs. You know, plastic signs, metal signs on the property lines to keep people off. So what the purple paint bill does, it's an alternative method of posting a no trespassing notice for property owners, including timberland owners. So the South Carolina Forestry Association of South Carolina actively supported this new law since traditional no trespassing signs are destroyed by weather events, unlawfully removed, removed, or, as commonly done in South Carolina, used for target practice. Uh, in particular, the law provides that a landowner has the option to post clearly visible purple painted marking consisting of one vertical line not less than eight inches in length and two inches in width and the bottom of the mark not less than three nor more than six feet from the ground or normal water surface. So it's got to be a minimum of eight inches in length, two inches in width, and it can't be any more than six feet from the ground. Uh, the marks must be affixable to immovable permanent objects like trees <laughs> or or big creosoted fence posts could be another one. I guess that would be an immovable object that are not more than 100 yards apart and readily visible to anyone approaching the property. So now you have a, yeah, because posting no trespassing signs, I mean, all you got to do is somebody's got to come by and just rip it off the tree, which is what I've had done on several pieces of property. But uh, anyway, so, yeah, that's that's fresh just this week. And uh, for you landowners out there, there'll be a run on purple paint now. Purple paint? Yeah. Let's see if this is it. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, listen to this saxophone. It is just beautiful. I know y'all like music. Just here we go. I'll get more volume here. There we go. There we go. Oh, oh. That's good stuff right there. Uh, I'm glad you picked that good stuff. That is good stuff. I'm glad you picked it. Okay. I think that's a bumper song. It is. But we've already used it for this year. Oh, we have? Yes. Yeah. So, anyway. Okay. Enough music. Back to what? What do you have? So some of y'all may be on Facebook. <laughs> Most of y'all are probably on Facebook. Sadly, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I don't know. There's something about Facebook just makes me feel like I just feel like ever since Mom got Facebook, it it's you just, have to go I in there can't. to monitor monitor Mom. Yes, and she sends me all the stuff. Anyway, that's that's a story for a different time. Um, but I was scrolling through Facebook a couple weeks ago, and I was like, hmm. Lake Hartwell, huh? An alligator at Lake Hartwell. And it was a very large alligator. This was not one even that you would find on like the low country or anything like that. This was like, and it was white. (laughs) And 
I, at first, I was like, oh, my goodness. So I went and told you or whatever, and you, oh, you were like, just look around. And I did, I did not look around. I just looked at the gator, and I was like, Dad, did you see this? But somebody posted that there was a huge alligator found at Lake Hartwell. This was the weekend of April 24th. Um, this was this has been a long line of alligator hoaxes <laughs> going on at Lake Hartwell. And on Lake Miley, yep. on Lake Murray. Um, it collected over 2,500 shares since it was <laughs> since it was posted. Um, but if you look around in the picture, the first thing you notice is the white sand around it. Not a lot of white sand on Lake Murray. Yeah, and then private if, beaches maybe, but not a lot of sand on the banks. And it, it's on like this this bridge. It's on it's on the road by this bridge, and I guess the bridge goes over some kind of lake or something like that. And it's got cattails growing. We don't have cattails around Lake Hartwell, so if you saw it, you fell for it. Ha ha, sucker. Just kidding. You fell for it. I know. I uh-huh, did. I said just kidding. <laughs> okay. So it did catch my attention. But yes. yeah, once you look more at it, you kind of found out what it was really about. Now you, you will from time to time. Somebody will have one that gets too big for their little water tank, and they slide it outside. <laughs> their little been, water tank. Yeah, so you have to be careful with that stuff. Um, My turn? Yes, your turn. Uh, if you got an email from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources, they're doing a, a deer survey, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's titled, uh-oh. Somebody replied to something, and I flipped off of it, and now I can't find it. Good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. SCDNR seeks deer hunter's opinion on deer management. <clears throat> and the link is to a um, a study out of Auburn University. Uh, we're looking to understand deer hunters' attitudes and opinions toward quality deer management, which is QDM. It's not QDMA. It's QDM, which is at its core is a healthy deer herd. Understand that you as a deer hunter know and think about quality deer management as important to help us understand how to better inform management. This project is self-funded and developed by Auburn University College of Forestry, Wildlife, and Environment. Uh, your response will be anonymous. No identifying factors will be collected. If you have questions, you can contact them. And also, let's let's start this thing. I'm just going to take it online so you all know what it's uh, – what year was I born? Okay. Old. Just put old. I'm going to put old, and that'll that'll suffice. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm white. Uh, do you identify? As Latino. I don't know. <laughs> With Latino? No. Okay, I'm a male. Other. Oh. Or I prefer not to answer. Okay. Uh, zip code. I wanted to do this so you all know. How many years have you lived in your current state of residence? Since I'll be celebrating a birthday in a week, mm-hmm. I will put my, what is my original state of, is South Carolina. Little South Carolina. That's right. Do you have a disability? No. I mean. Household income in 2019, something like that. Uh, and I think you probably can, you probably can skip some of this. Highest level of education. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, what is the house? Remember the household. Okay, and this is demographic information. Uh, do you have a hunting license that allowed you to hunt deer within the last three years? Yes. Okay. How many days do you participate in the 2021 deer hunting season? Oof, Lord of mercy. We were slow this past season. Oh uh, no, I was 
No, I probably put in maybe two weeks worth. Okay. Did you have an in-state, out-of-state, or international deer hunting license? Uh, in-state, I didn't go anywhere out-of-state. I want Matt Area wanted me to go to North Carolina. I didn't go. You should have to see I should have killed. gone. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Only mm-hmm. thing is, he says, I got some big old does up here. I'll get you, so. No, I want the bucks, that gummit. I know. I killed enough he's not, does. No, he's not going to let you kill one of his bucks. What type of land do you hunt? Uh, private property? Okay. How many years have you participated in private running hunt? Uh, that would be like that many years. Uh, it's that right there. How many hours are you willing to drive for a quality deer hunt? Two. Imagine owning 500 plus acres. That would be fun. Over the past three years, how many years have you deer hunted? I've deer hunted all three of the past three years. All right. Uh, what type of weaponry? Archery? Rifle, black powder. In your opinion, how many antler deer should a hunter be able to harvest per season in your state? Well, this is where the rubber meets the road, folks. Per per hunter? Per hunter. Two. Oh, two. Yeah. Two. What are your top three primary motivations for deer hunting? Uh, experience, nature. Yeah, I was say number one, experience, nature. Uh, uh, challenge of the, the hunt. hunt. No, yeah. Uh-huh. And Especially where venison. we hunt. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So the choices are venison, view wildlife, trophy, solitude, challenge hunt, experience, nature, social interaction, experience, and manage deer populations. So I've got venison, challenges of the hunt, and experience, nature. Do you have any professional working experience in wildlife-related fields? Not not technically, no. Technically, no. Uh, Which would you prefer, shoot one small buck every year or shoot one large buck every three years? Uh, one one every one large buck every three years. Yeah. I'm just not I'm not motivated by by antlers. What would you would you pass up on a shooting a younger buck for the opportunity to shoot a doe at another time? Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you prefer the deer population to be below, at or above carrying capacity? Probably want it at. Mm. I don't want it above because then you have a sick. Sickly population, or the possibility of that. What is the most important way to manage for quality deer habitat? Wow. Okay. Wild forage management. Timber stand. Timber stand management. management, Food food plot plot management. management. I don't believe in. I don't supplemental feed. Okay. Okay. So I'm about halfway through. We got. We got to take a break here. So we'll come back and and finish up this survey on the other side of the break, and uh, then if you got it. You can answer it and may not agree with me. I may be all wet in your opinion, but that's okay. All right, y'all hang on. More woods and water cycling on the other side. music because it's about beach time mm-hmm. like five o'clock somewhere it's beach time somewhere <laughs> all right uh, welcome back to woods and water south Carolina. i'm about halfway through this survey from auburn university uh, let's pick it up okay how important is planting food plots or providing supplemental feed to deer management uh you know not at all important slightly important moderately important very important extremely important i mean moderately 
I, I don't plant specifically for deer. I plant for wildlife. I mean, I've got seed over here on the floor now that needs to go in. There's a bag of, um, it's an ultimate. It is a deer, is a deer mix from Wanamaker seed, Egyptian wheat. <coughs> Excuse me. Dying again. Yeah. Uh, Egyptian wheat, WGF sorghum. I've got some. Um, oh, you did get sorghum? Yep. There's a bag of WGF sorghum right there. Two bags of brown top, millet. Uh, there's 10 pounds of buckwheat over here. And there's uh, five pounds of um, sun hemp. And then something Mr. Wanamaker sold me. Oh, Luth- Luther is a salesman, let me tell you Mr. what. Wanamaker. Mr. Wanamaker. Luther's a salesman. He gets on the phone. Now, why don't you try this? <laughs> I had good success with this. If you like the quail, you need to plant some of this. And Yeah, I'm, I'm a sucker, so I bought... All of it. <laughs> about five pounds of something over there I've never heard. Grab that top bag. What? Hang Grab on. that top bag. He said it's great for quail. I've never heard of it before. Yeah, that bag right there. What's it called? What's it called? And I'm late getting all the seed planted. Y'all, it's been one of those springs. Tios. Tacenti. Tacenti is what he called it. I have no idea what it is. He said it's great quail food. I'm like, I'm a sucker. I'll try anything once. <laughs> I mean, uh, so Tacenti. It looks. Um, it looks like a. It looks like nuts. <laughs> it does look like uh, some kind of nut. Like sunflower. Like, like sunflower seed or something. Yeah. yeah. But he said it grows up. It looks like a corn stalk. It puts off a tight. That looks like a corn stalk. It grows in a corn stalk like, and Dang. it's got a tight seed head on it that drops over the winter. So. Oh, okay. Tacenti. Interesting. Yeah, old Luther. He is a salesman. Don't go, don't go in there with an open checkbook. He'll uh, drain it. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, back to the survey here. Opinion. If deer are in poor condition, I believe the first thing you should do is plant food plots or provide... Uh, yikes. If deer are in poor condition, you need to thin the herd a little bit. Opinion. If deer are in poor condition, I believe the first thing you should do is plant food plots or provide supplemental feed. Oh... Ah, I would disagree with that. Why? If deer in poor condition. Well, if they're in poor first condition, thing, what kind the of first life? thing you should do, yeah, because it's going to take time to get regulations and all done. So, okay, agree. Supplemental feed. Ah, because I, I don't know. I'm but not sure on that one. I'm not. I have to think about that one for a little bit. It. I mean, if it's in poor condition, poor condition as in. That's a, like, is that sickly. a or is that a carrying capacity problem? Yeah. Um, okay. Would you prefer to plant a food plot or provide supplemental feed to improve nutrition? Plant a food plot. I don't want to do feeders. Okay. We do do salt licks, mineral licks. A female should be protected because they produce next year's fawn. Um, I don't think so. I mean, you have to take a certain number of females every year just to keep the population in balance. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't think yeah, you need to you need to take some, and that's the that's what we ran into in the '90s. You know, we, we were protecting the does, the population exploded. You know, then we had to, then they wanted to shoot more does, and at the same time, that's when they realized the coyotes were really taking the toll on them. So, yeah. All right, where did you first hear about quality deer management? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a club meeting back in the late 80s when Quality Deer Management Association was formed. 
I've been around them that long. Um, how would you rate your knowledge of quality or management? Uh, good. I'm not going to say excellent or fair. It's good. Quality of management implemented on the properties where I hunt. Yes. And that's not necessarily, folks, holding out for that trophy buck. It is It is letting those spikes go for the first couple of years, the four points, if you don't need them. If you have the opportunity to shoot a doe, you know, I believe that's part of quality deer management. Okay, which of the following outcomes do you think are most important in an area managed using a QDM program? Drag options to rank in order from most important to least important. Okay, population balance with habitat conditions, natural sex age class distribution, population comprised of healthy deer, quality of hunting and presence of large. Okay. All right, the quality of the hunting experience is what I'm after the most. That is just that is just what I that is my thing. I like a a quality hand. Okay, population. And then secondly, I like resulting habitat quality for all wildlife species. Population balance with habitat conditions. I like natural sex age. Population codes to healthy individual deer. I guess would be third or fourth. So I got quality of hunting experience, resulting habitat quality for all wildlife. Population balance with habitat conditions, population composed of healthy individual deer, natural age, sex distribution, and presence of large antler mature males. I mean, everybody likes to kill big deer. It's not wild deer hunt. Okay, the definition of quality deer management. Quality deer, quality deer management is, acts as a guiding set of principles by which deer herds are managed at a local scale. The idea of QDM is to manage for population size with habitat conditions, natural sex age distribution, Populations composed of healthy individual deer, quality hunting experiences, more mature bucks and large animals, and improved quality of deer habitat. What management strategy do you think QDM most successful? Ugh, what management strategy? Okay, harvesting antlerless deer. I would say that's one. Managing forest and openings for native plants. We do that, so that's important. Planting food plots. I mean, we do it, but I could do without it. Supplemental feeding, not for it. Uh, protecting young bucks. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I mean, you pass on a, a spike or a four-point to kill a doe. I mean, yeah, I would pass. Okay, all right. How long do you think a QDM program takes to see successful results? That's three to five years. Mm-hmm. One to two is too short. Six plus is too long. Three to five years, you ought to see some results. Okay. I want QDM to be implemented or continue to be implemented on the land where I hunt. Agree. Do you think a QDM program can affect the rut? I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure because I'm not a scientist and I don't know all the ins and outs of the rut. I know a doe comes into estrus. Once every 24 to 28 days or something like that. So if she's not bred the first cycle, she comes back around. Um, you know, you can't have problems if your dough-to-buck ratio is out of kilter. Um, but in QDM, you're looking for that balance. So I don't know. I don't think it can. I don't think a properly done QDM will affect the rut. For the for, Let's look at it this way. I don't think it can affect the rut negatively. Yeah. That's what I'm going to put. 
So no. So okay. Would you support additional state funding of the implementation of QDM on hunting land, e.g., grants programs on public land or tax incentives on private land? Mm. Sure. I don't think we can spend enough money on wildlife. All right. Now we ask you a few questions regarding CWD. Here you go, Taylor. Mm. CWD does CWD exist in free ranging deer hunts in your state or states when you hunt? No, not yet. Do you think that an older male would be more likely to test positive for CWD? Yeah, that's scientific. Because they they detect it more in older dead deer. Remember, there's not a live test for CWD. Do you think that an older male would be more likely to transmit CWD to other deer? Yeah, I mean, if they're going to have it older, then they're going to transmit it. Do you think the practice of harvesting older males rather than males of all ages leads to a greater risk? I do think there's some validity to that, that by by getting some of those old, by a lot of people managing for trophy bucks, I think you increase the risks of CWD. I believe that. That's just my opinion. What is your level of concern with consuming a deer that tests positive for CWD? Not concerned. Slightly. Moderately. Very concerned. I'm not concerned. No scientific evidence since the 70s when it was uh, discovered of it ever transferring over to human population. So I'm not worried about that. If you knew CWD was present in the areas that you hunt, would you be more likely to harvest a doe over a buck? Uh... No, not. Would you be more or less likely to implement or recommend CWD QDM on a property with CWD positive deer? Yeah, more likely. Um, all right. What management practices associated with QDM do you consider inconsistent with appropriate management of CWD positive deer population? Uh, inconsistent. Supplemental feeding. It's a given. And then please write the additional things. And we're good. All right. Well, that chewed up another segment. Sorry. <laughs> now you get the next one. Uh, folks, if you got it, respond. Think about your answers. And um, get information in. Good uh, management out is what they say. So we'll be back. Maybe Taylor's got something more interesting than I did. Hang on. All right, we're back. More woods and water, South Carolina. Who's awake? Look who's awake. Yep, just because she wants to get petted. Pretty much. All right. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, that survey took what ten minutes or so, mm-hmm. a little over ten minutes, twelve minutes or so. So, yeah. If you got, if you got the email, respond to it. That's that's more really more important than your than the answer. Sometimes is the response. Because they can lean a lot of information from that. Yep. Again, that's through Auburn University, and it's not directly through the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. It's a southeastern study. So uh, we'll see what comes of that. All right. What you got? I think I'm going to keep on the trend with the deer. You think we'd be talking about fishing? You huh? think You think we'd be talking about fishing? Why? Well, it is summertime. Well, yeah, no, I wanted to get to this a little earlier, but... 
we have we have been all over the place um, with our guests, and we haven't really had our heads screwed on straight for a couple of weeks. <laughs> so now I'm finally Speak getting around. Speak for yourself. Hey. Don't call me crazy. Uh, you're crazy. Okay. You are crazy. I'm granted. Right, Sophie? Yeah. yeah. Sophie says she's crazy, too. Um, but this is what I marked up a couple of weeks ago. What is that? I don't know what that is. Um, but technically this is like a topic for That's spring. The stopper time. on my igloo cooler you just broke. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, um, <sighs> this you could possibly still be seeing this right now. Um, but picture this: you're walking through the woods, you're driving down a back road because we always like to take back roads here. Right. Um, and you see a phone on the side of the road, tucked in some bushes. You stop, you think, oh, my goodness, this phone has been abandoned, and Mama doesn't know where it is, it doesn't know where it is, it doesn't know where to go, how's it going to feed itself, you know. Well, most people that do that don't really understand the science of phone survival, which is exactly what I'm going to talk about today. So, the National Deer Association put out this article on what to, how to handle finding a phone that's alone. You can't automatically assume that that phone has been abandoned. Um, they learn their survival ways way different than human infants do. <laughs> so we have to keep that in mind. Um, a phone, when it's first born, spends most of its time by itself. Um, it's not old enough to be fully mobile, not old enough to be able to outrun danger. Um, so therefore, Mama decides... She's going to stay away for the first couple of weeks to avoid attracting predators to Mom her Mom smells more than fawn yeah, does. she does. But she can also outrun predators a lot faster than her fawn can. So for the first three to four weeks um, after a fawn's birth, does will visit around sunrise or sunset. Um, they're not there for long, and then they'll go away. But keep in mind, this fawn is in a very safe place. And Mama doesn't just leave it out in the middle of a field. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes in plain sights, some of the best. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah. So. But it's wherever Mama thinks it's safe. Right. Um, the visits will increase four to five times a day as the fawn gets older. Um, but a really interesting thing that I did not know is that when a fawn senses danger or there's a predator around, the fawn's heart rate actually drops. Which amazing, yeah, which is insane. But when it drops, you know, when your heart rate gets up, you start shaking and everything. The fawn is actually less likely to be detected when that heart rate, the heart rate drops, um, because it's able to remain still and undetected. So that, that was pretty cool. Um, but a fawn's best line of defense is mama being away for a while. Um, where, what happened to this thing? I don't know. You turned the page too quick. Yeah, I did. Um, also. When a doe has triplets, something like that, they each stay apart from each other. So that's just another safety thing because you find one, you find them all. You know. Right. Um, and, I mean, there are times when somebody will go and pick a fawn up and raise it um, yeah, themselves. That's illegal. Um, well, I'm getting to that. Oh. You're getting ahead of me here. Sorry. Um, and they think, okay, well, I'll keep it until it's old enough, and then I'll send it on its way. Well, captive raised fawns, 
their return to the wild is rarely successful. Um, scientists noted that survivors tended to be those that ended up around homes and neighborhoods. And that's where they become a hazard to traffic and they're a nuisance to people and they're chased off and everything. But when they did a study on, I don't remember how many fawns they released. Um, okay, 42 deer that were rescued. And it says more than half of them, so 52%, died within 30 days of release. Only nine of them, 23%, survived beyond 100 days. Um, and those that died, they were killed by predators. But it said somewhere in here that it was, they like noted four days and any of the fawns that were like when they were released, if they had died four days after that, that was because of shock and things like that that went in to the release. Um, and some people have said that, you know, if you do go up and touch a fawn, if you move it off a roadway or something like that, they're like, oh, my goodness, the mom won't come back because that's what a lot of people think about bird eggs. Um, but actually, a human touch to a fawn does not deter mama. She okay. doesn't care. She will come back to it. Um, scientists studying fawn survival routinely capture young fawns, some only hours old, and they place a small tracking collar on them and release them. Um, and then they said that any assumed death within a couple of days resulted from abandonment um, and capture-related trauma. Only 89 fawns, or out of 89 fawns, only uh, six of them died. And they were killed by predators. So it wasn't any stress, something like that. Um, humans set on a fawn will not likely cause dead or reject it. And the stress of being handled by people will not kill the fawn. So in all these situations where they do place tracking collars on them, they're all released within a timely manner. They're not kept. And, you know, they they make it That's the to big where part. it's natural. If, if you do run across one, you have to, I mean, you're cutting grass or something like that, and you about run over and you run out and save it or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> Don't take it home. Just place it somewhere out of your way. No. And there you go. I see so many people that like they they make TV TV shows about people raising fawns and their yeah, kids and yeah. like that. I'm like, oh my goodness. Um so if you do pick up a fawn and everything, so in some cases you have to. But keep in mind that if you do, finding reliable licensed rehabilitators is very difficult. Because when you're finding these does, a hundred more people are finding the does. Yeah. And all of those rehabilitation places, they're all full of fawns that need to be rehomed or whatever. So it's hard to find a spot for them. And, Dad, like you would mentioned, in most states it is illegal to save wild animals and raise them in your house. <laughs> yes. Um, and there's good reasons towards it some people may think oh that's cruel like we need to save wildlife and everything no it's for their own safety yeah they're wild animals yes people forget that they they're not pets that's right they're not they're not they're not genetically accustomed to being a domesticated pet they're a wild animal and that's where they belong look nature is cruel mm -hmm. there's nothing fair out there in the big in the big bad woods you know Big pad woods. <laughs> but, but they are designed to adapt and overcome and survive those challenges. Mm -hmm. yep. You just got to leave them alone. So that sort of says it ends with leave it where you found it. 
So a fawn's best chance of learning how to survive on its own is for you to just leave it be. Um, it has a better chance of mama finding it if you don't move it. Yeah. Um, it's good where it is. It will. But they're so letting cute. It, I know, Dad. Oh, I'm so sorry. Cute little fellas. Cute little fellas. I, I see them every. I see them little spots and all. And <laughs> they remind me of little calves a lot of times. Especially they get a little older and they get mobile. They start chasing around and, <laughs> yeah. and, and wearing mom out. You can just see the doe going. Lord, oh my I'm gosh! If I could just survive the next <laughs> ten weeks, <laughs> mom, you've all been there, right? <laughs> Little ones, if I could just survive ten weeks, I'd be all right. I'll be fine. Please. Uh, all right, really quickly. Harvest statistics on uh, turkeys are out. Uh, we harvested eight thousand eight hundred thirty-two turkeys in South Carolina. Eighty-nine percent toms, eleven percent jakes. That is down again this year. Uh, 91% on private land, 9% on public land. Uh, 76% of them were killed in the AM, 24% in the PM. Uh, harvest numbers from 39 states, the top five, South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Virginia. The biggest day was April the 1st. 69% used the mobile app, 15% used the web, 16% used phone or text. So, the app is uh the new app is a lot better than the old one. Uh in fact if you can pull your license up on the new Go Outside app from South Carolina DNR, that is a that's your as a verifiable way yeah. to present your hunting license, yep. fishing license. And the top five counties, Bamberg, Union, Spartanburg, Williamsburg, and Orangeburg. That is data from three nineteen to five ten or twenty two compiled through the South Carolina game check system. So there you go with that. Uh, it is Memorial Day weekend. <clears throat> There's some safety. Uh, DNR is doing some uh, safety courtesy checks. safety checks out there. If you see them, go over. They are your friend, not your enemy. Free fishing days for residents and freshwater only is May the 31st. And if you're out on a boat, remember there is a new wake law that uh, says you need to maintain a distance limit of 100 feet from a boat that is underway, approaching a dock, a person in the water, or an anchored vessel. And it pretty much is in effect for all lakes in this state. Mm-hmm. So that covers about some of what we had. So, yeah, new purple paint law if you're a landowner. Leave a phone alone, a phone alone, 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 alone. alone. Uh, take the deer survey if you got the uh, the email survey. It's not that long, and we left a whole lot of things that we didn't get to, yeah. but that's okay. <laughs> Which means we have more for next week. Yay! <laughs> yeah, so everybody be safe out there this week. It is, uh, it is Memorial, Memorial Day. Uh, remember why we're celebrating, and... Uh, as always, uh, make time to get out there. Take the back road you can. Don't forget that camera. We will see you back here next Saturday with more Woods and Water, South Carolina. Hit me from I'm gone Carolina in my mind. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.